Well, good morning. Okay, well, let's say it back. Good morning. What's going on, guys? It's 9 a.m. on a summer day. It's a beautiful day. Maybe a little rain later, but we're, we're happy with it. Bugs, the gnats are getting a little out of hand. I, was on, we were, I played a little golf yesterday, and I think I ate 300 gnats. I wasn't even hungry. I was, we were headed to dinner, and I wasn't hungry. It was disgusting, but it's, I don't know. It's just the time of year, I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's just a good morning. It's a good day to be in church. There, there, there was never a time, right? I feel like sometimes we hear those songs, and we start thinking of maybe, was there a time he wasn't faithful? There was never a time, right? Do we agree? Are we alive? We're alive. Okay. First Timothy chapter 1. Before we get into it, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone who helped out with Eufola Kids Camp this week. Um, it was an awesome, awesome week. Three awesome days. I think we had around, right around 75 kids every single day. And uh, we had awesome, awesome workers, awesome helpers, awesome leaders, teachers. It was just, um, it was, the flaws were mine. Everyone else was flawless. If there was an issue, it was probably by me, I swear. It was an awesome, awesome week. And uh, I'm really thankful for our church to rally behind that and uh, give our kids an awesome week of fun, but more importantly, an awesome week of God's word and uh, studying that. First Timothy 1. Now, the title's on the screen. Okay, we know what it is. There's no surprise. Sometimes I like to surprise. You know what I'm saying? Because how many of you guys sit in church? No, you're not going to admit this, and that's okay. That's okay. How many of you guys sit in church and you're waiting to hear what it's about to see if you need to pay attention? You know what I'm saying? We're like, I hear it, and I'm like, I'm good on this. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, no, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the king of that. I'm literally sitting here just like waiting to see. Usually I'll find out the text kind of beforehand. You know, I know who's preaching. You know, what are you, what's the text? So I pull up the text, and I'm like looking for things in my life. I'm like, please, you know, let's see what's in here. Um, and I read, I'm like, okay, well, this could get me, but we'll see if he hits it. This could get me. And then he hit, you hear the title, and you're like, okay, maybe I'm good. Now we hear the title, You Need the Gospel. You Need the Gospel. Now we're here on a 9 a.m. service. Most of us are probably saved, right? Most of us are probably saved. Um, this is not a message for lost people. We say you need the gospel, and I was talking to someone this morning, Stacy Blevins, Stacy Blevins, and I, she said, what are you preaching on? I said, the gospel, and she said, oh, we're good. <laughs> You're not good, Stacy. You're not good. No one's good, okay? Everyone, this is for you. Lock in. Pay attention for 30 minutes. I promise um, it's God's word. It's not mine, so you'll get something from it. It, it has a purpose. This is something, I'll be honest, when I, I, I found this text earlier in the week, and I was like, this is what I'm preaching, and I had a thought that I wanted to hit, and I was excited, and I was getting excited, and then I kept reading the text, and the thought wasn't there. And I was like, dang it. I really wanted to preach that thought. Um, but you're not supposed to preach what you want to preach. You're supposed to preach the text, right? So I was like, Okay, whatever, thank you. Went back, and uh, we dove in, and I cannot help um, but see in this text the need in my life for the gospel. And I was trying to think, you know, what does our church need? What do I need? What do the people need? And we need the gospel. We need the gospel. And uh, if you're like, well, I have the gospel. Well, I hope you do, uh, but we'll jump into it. We'll jump into it. First Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Uh, Timothy is a younger man than Paul. He's kind of his apprentice, his, uh, his preacher that he, that he is training up. This is a letter that Paul wrote to him to encourage him. Uh, there's a lot of things in 1 Timothy about church order and things like that. But the basis, really the theme of 1 Timothy is 
to ground our behavior in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 1 Timothy 1 really jumps off at that. Um, Let's go ahead and read. Let's start off in verse number 11, and we're going to read through verse number 20. It says this, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. That kind of closes the first part of the chapter. It says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, this is Paul writing, remember, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before, right? This is Paul. Who was Paul before? He was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. That was his life before salvation. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and with love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all except expect exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first, uh, first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou might thou thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith hath made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, and whom I have delivered unto Satan that they learn, may learn not to blaspheme. Let's pray, and uh, we will get into it. Dear Lord. Thank you for today. Um, thank you for the word of God, Lord. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the story of, of life, Lord. This is not just a story to get us saved, Lord. This is the story that we base every single behavior, every single decision, every single life off of this story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, help us as a church to embrace the gospel, Lord. Help the, help the gospel not to just be something we, we hear or something we tell uh, five-year-olds who raise their hands in class, Lord. But help it be something that we live by our creed, our life, our motto, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. The reality of the gospel is this. Now, this is something I, I, uh, I, I did not understand for a while, and I, I may not still fully. But when I was here... You know, when you grow up in church, I grew up in church my whole life. My dad's a pastor. Um, I grew up, he was, he's been a pastor my entire life. And I grew up going to church all the time. And you hear the stories of, you know, are you able to tell the gospel? Are you able to tell the gospel? And all that, the reality of my life, and your, your, yours could be very different, but when I heard the gospel, it was always in the context of winning someone to Christ. You know what I'm saying? It was always in the context of a lost person say, doing these five things, right, on the track. So I think there's five, maybe four. I don't know. There's, who knows? There's five, four, three. I don't know. There's five, six things. I don't know. Do these things and you get saved. That is the gospel. And it's great. I knew the gospel. I could lead someone to the Lord. I've led people to the Lord. And the gospel is this great, awesome thing. It's what gets us into heaven. It's what gets us Jesus. It's what does all these great things. And it's great and we love it and we get it when we're five, six, when we get saved, however old we are, we get it. And then it's like, okay, gospel saved. Now what? But the reality is the gospel is not just to save us, but the gospel is what sustains us all throughout life. All throughout life. And when we ignore the gospel, we're ignoring the blueprint for our behavior every single day as Christians. All the other stuff, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, all the good works, all the expectations, everything that God tells us, all of it is rooted in the foundation of the gospel. And if you are not telling yourself, preaching to yourself, reminding yourself every day, 
often, every hour often, that the gospel is still for you, then you are missing out. You're missing out. That's what Paul teaches us here. Paul teaches us here. Now, what happens when we miss out on the gospel? Well, there, this is, I, I hope this illustration makes sense. I've been, I've been working on it for a couple days now. If it doesn't make sense, don't tell me. Just say it was great and that it made sense. Okay. So I love, Harlow is almost 11 months old. She's doing great. Remember last time I preached, I said she wasn't walking yet. She mastered it. She's a great walker. She's doing very well. I'm very proud of her. I was going to kick her out if it wasn't done soon. So she's walking. It's going very well. It's going very well. Um, now, the gospel, I want you to think of the gospel as your brain. Your brain. Now, the gospel, your brain, is what, how we develop motor skills, right? We develop motor skills. I, I'm not a science guy. You're about to tell by this illustration. But the, the brain is what teaches us. It's what transmits things. When we want to pick something up, we want to walk to place to place, we want to eat something, whatever it is. The brain is what does that for us. Now, Harlow is learning. I feel like she develops a new motor skill every single day. Every single day she picks something up good. Um, but every now and then, you know, she's walking well, but every now and then she'll get a little tired, maybe she'll get a little distracted, and she does, you ever seen like that drunk baby walk where they're like walking and then they kind of just like fall back, fall to the left, fall to the right. Now, it's adorable. It's adorable. And she's a very good faller. She usually catches herself pretty well. Sometimes she doesn't. But she's usually a pretty good faller. Now, what happens is, the gospel saves us and starts teaching us the motor skills of Christianity. Saves us and, and we, we begin to develop. We get saved, we get excited, right? I love um, all my kids at teen camp that got saved. They're all excited. They're, they're texting me about, you know, how to, how to study the Bible. How to read, uh, and we're going to baptize a bunch of them next week. I'm so, so excited. And they're really, really excited because the gospel has radically changed their life. Like genuinely. I love getting to see that. I was talking to one of their grandparents earlier today and he says, I see a difference in my grandson. I see a difference because the gospel radically changes, radically changes. And, and I see a difference in Harlow every single day. She learns something new, she learns something new, she learns something new. But what happens is we lose that fire of salvation, right? Because it happens. We, we lose that initial excitement. We lose that initial love. When you first get saved, you are in love with the gospel because the gospel is just what gave you salvation, what gave you Jesus, what gave you heaven, what gave you everything. And you're in love with it. However, because of bad teaching, because of, because of bad uh, priority, because of just, uh, I don't know, because we get lazy, whatever it is, we lose focus on the gospel. Maybe because we get into kids' class, we start hearing Bible stories. Maybe because in teens, I, 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 we focus on other stuff. Maybe we start getting into church and we're preaching against this, preaching against that. And we almost start to say, okay, well, the gospel was for me when I got saved, but now the next stuff. And what happens is we s develop a few motor skills but we forget the gospel and we stay the 10-month drunk baby walk and we can't get anywhere and we end up going to church for years and years and years and we're not developing. Not because we're not trying to read the Bible, not because the words are being preached, not because the classes aren't teaching, but because we're not focusing all of it on the gospel. Does that make sense? Did that illustration make sense? Thank you for lying. We must... Focus every single day. I don't care if you've been saved for 40 years. Your first thought in the morning should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, writing to Timothy, laying it out. He's, he's giving them his charge. He's about to go into all these things about the church, what should happen, what should go. He, he's warning against false teachers. But before any of that, he says, listen, this is the gospel. Timothy was a saved man, but Paul knew that Timothy needed to be reminded 
of the gospel. We need the gospel. And now, I don't want to just keep saying the word gospel. I want to make sure we, if, you're, if you don't know the gospel, man, let's learn it today. Let it change your life today. The gospel is simply this. God is perfect. He's worthy. God created, he's before time, outside of time, he's outside of everything. He was this perfect, awesome, amazing, awe-inspiring. I, I wish I had a deeper vocabulary so I could give him more than, than, than what I'm currently doing. But he is this top, above all else God. Above all else God. He, lo- he, he wanted us, he wanted a people to bring him glory. Now, don't ever, don't ever think that he created us so that we could have companionship. We're not filling some hole, some void in God's heart. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes when people are looking for a relationship, they're just, they have this, this void, and they, they look for a boy or a girl or a husband or wife. I needed to fill that void. God, would, God did not have a void that he needed us to fill, okay? That's pride that tells us that we, God needed us to complete something in him. He was complete. He was perfect. He wanted us to bring him more glory because he's more deserving than ever. Okay, so he created us. To bring him glory. That was our sole purpose. Why he created Adam, why he created Eve. Now there was other stuff that's great. Got to do creation, got to name the animals, great. He created us to bring him glory. However, we do what we do. We did what we did. We sinned. We chose a different path. And as high as God was, when we sinned, there was a gap that was created. When Adam took, when Adam took the bite of the fruit, when, when Eve was deceived, a gap was created. And as much as God wanted to know us, as much as God wanted to love us, as much as God wanted us to bring him glory, to worship him, to know him, there was a gap that was too large to bridge because God is so holy, God is so perfect that our sin, our bad decisions could not bridge that gap. It was too wide. The word is chasm in hymns, right? The chasm was too wide. It was too wide. But God loved us so much that he didn't leave the chasm. And he gave us his son Jesus as a path back up, as a path back up. And it's all we have to do is believe and call in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says he will save us. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. God created you to know him, to worship him. We chose a different path, but he didn't give up. And he still hasn't given up. That is the gospel. We're down here, he's up here, but thankfully Jesus is right here. Do we understand? The gospel. The gospel. So we need the gospel. We, as desperately as we depend on the gospel for our salvation, we must depend on the gospel for our everyday behavior. You need the gospel. Number one, we need the gospel to show us who we are. To show us who we are. Now when Paul is writing this to Timothy, he mentions, let's look, let's look at verse 13. It says, who was before? He's talking to himself, a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And then the grace of the Lord Jesus was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, He said his sin was before salvation. He's not currently murdering Christians. He's leading the Christians. He's not currently blaspheming. Paul, Paul at this point in his life, was a faithful Christian. But his tense does not say, I was the chief of sinners. What does he say? I am the chief of sinners. What he's saying is this. As unworthy as I was before salvation, 
listen, as unworthy as you were before, we love to talk about how, man, when God found us, we were a mess, right? We love to sing those songs, and it's true. As unworthy as we were before salvation, we are as unworthy after salvation. We are as unworthy. And what happens is we get saved. God, in, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He builds us up. We become heirs, and we lose sight of the fact of who we are. And who we are is inadequate. This is not a happy, happy, this is not a happy, happy point. We're inadequate. We're unworthy. We're incomplete. We're sinners. We fail. We mess up. And the gospel will remind you of that. Now you say, I don't want to be reminded of that. My spouse reminds me of that enough. Right? We don't want to be reminded of the fact that we fail. We don't want to be reminded of the fact that we fall short. But we must be reminded of the fact that we fall short. You must. And that is what the gospel does. That is what the gospel does. Now listen, you can tell the maturity of a believer by how they view themselves. When you view yourself as anything other than insufficient, you're missing the gospel. You're missing the gospel. And what happens is immature believers will forget how unworthy they are, and they will begin to make life about them. But the gospel says it was never about you. We, was, we weren't created for us. We weren't saved for us. Nothing was done for us. It was all done for him. Now, there, we, we got some awesome byproducts of that, right? We got some really cool heaven, uh, joyful Christian life. We got some awesome, awesome stuff on the side, but it was all done for him. And Paul, the most mature Christian ever, says, I am the chief of sinners. Listen, Paul embraced his failure. He embraced his inadequacy. He embraced his part, his, the fact that he was not enough. The next verse says that he could, so that he could be an example to those who would come to Christ. And I am begging you to remember who you are. Create a culture that the gospel is reminding you of your falling short. Because there's two options in this. You are creating culture. Culture is, culture is more, is, I, I, the more I read about the word culture when it comes to our own culture, our church culture, our home culture, everything, it, it defines who we are. You're either living a gospel culture or a pride culture. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about believers. You're either living, living a culture that tells you that you fall short or you're living a culture that says, you are enough. And now as much as you wouldn't vocalize that, the decisions you make, the things you say, the things you complain about, the way you live your life says it. The gospel says we're unworthy while pride says we are what matters. Getting our way is what matters. Doing what we want what matters. The gospel says we don't matter. We're down here. We're unworthy. God's up here. We're down here. That's the gospel. Our pride says the opposite. Our pride says, the gospel says trust his ways. You know what our pride says? we can come up with solutions to fix our problems. He's, been given, he's given us solutions, but we abandon the gospel and say our ways are better than his. Now, we would, not, we would never say that, right? You never sit down and say, my ways are better than God. But you do it every day in the way you act. I do it every day in the way I act. I do it every way in the things I speak. I do it every way in the things I expect, the things I deem necessary, the things I deem important to me, the things I say that I deserve. I am saying that I 
my ways are better than his, and I forget the gospel. I forget the reality of who I am. And who I am is chief of sinners, inadequate, insufficient, fallen short. And we forget. And we allow our pride to take over. Gospel says him, pride says me. Daniel chapter 6. Turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6 real quick. We're, we're moving. Daniel chapter 6. Somebody tell me what Daniel chapter 6 is about. We're not going to read anything in there. I just want you to tell me what it's about. Famous, famous one. Slow turners. Slow page turners. Somebody. Who? Tell me the name. What, what, what's the name of the story? What's the, don't, don't run the illustration. Who? Daniel and the what? Daniel and Liza. Okay. Brandon tried to ruin my illustration. Come on, Dan. Brandon. Okay, listen. What's the story of Daniel and the lions then? Daniel, praise to God. People don't want Daniel to succeed, so what do they do? They attack his worship to God. They, they trick the king. They deceive the king. Darius, a saved man, I believe. They deceive the king into passing a law that says that you are not allowed to pray. They know Daniel's going to pray anyway. So what does Daniel do? Daniel prays. They bring Daniel before the king. And what happens? He gets, he, he gets thrown in the lion's den. Okay, very good. We know the story. We've watched the Veggie Tales at least. Okay. I, I still, I try to get Harlow to watch Veggie Tales. She's not a fan yet, but I'm working on it. Okay. He's in the lion's den. What happens in the lion's den? Somebody tell me. What happens in the lion's den? I need feedback. I'm a youth pastor. God shuts the mouth of the lions. The king comes in. Daniel, Daniel. Yells for him. Daniel's like, I'm here. He comes out, and then what happens? They throw all the guys that did it, and what else? Their family, all back in the lion's den. The, Daniels, the lion's den's weren't, mouths weren't shut that time, okay? Now we know the story. We're aware. Daniel and the lion's den. Now, what's the name of that story? Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel, I'm not trying to be rude. I, I'm, I'm a big Daniel fan. I've been teaching Daniel for the past, like, six months and teens. This story is not about Daniel at all. You know what Daniel did in this story? Prayed, got thrown in a pit. That's Daniel. But do you know what God did in this story? First of all, God knew it all before. God orchestrated it all before. God planned it all, and then when it happened, God saved Daniel, and God delivered Daniel. And yet, our stupid brains, and apparently not Brandon's, only mine, we want to call this story Daniel and the lion's den. And this story has got very little to do with Daniel. Very little to do with Daniel. Because guess what? Daniel's down here. He's up here. We like to think of ourselves as main characters. I, I, I love to think of myself as a main character. You know who we are? You guys seen like the Avenger movies? You know like when they like destroying New York City every, every movie? And it's crazy and all the people are like running around on the street like hiding? We like to think of ourselves as Captain America. We're that random dude who gets like three seconds of screen time who's running into a building. Do you guys see what I'm saying? We are not Captain America. We're not Iron Man. We're not Hulk. That'd be sick. We're not them. We're the random bystander, the nothing, the non-credited, the nobody cares about, the, the, be, the, the doesn't matter. We're the guy running into the building begging, begging God to be Captain America. We're begging but our pride says we are him. We know our ways are better. And we don't say it, we don't vocalize it, but we do in our own way. 
And we trick ourselves, we lie to ourselves, we poison our brains by saying that our ways are even comparable to his. You're down here. You're down here. He's up here. And you need the gospel to remind you of that. Not today, not when you got saved when you were five, but every single day. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Number two, we move. Remember who you are. Whew. But remember who he is. Verse number 17. Paul gives the gospel and he switches. He says, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. As foundational, as a foundational of a part of the gospel that we are down here, even more foundational is that he's up here. Even more. And as much as I want us to remember, as much as I want to tell myself, you are inadequate, you are not enough, you cannot do it on your own, as much as I want to tell myself that, even ten times more, I want to tell myself that he can. And we must. We must. Think of it, when, when it comes to the parallels, I, I, I've been, been really blessed to go on a lot of mission trips. Anybody ever heard of a thing called Baloo? Baloo? Anybody? Okay, in the Philippines, South China, there's this dish, and we're going to, this is not that good of an illustration, so we'll move quickly. There's a dish called baloo. What it is, is it's a fertilized duck in an egg that's processed a little bit of the way. So it's got feathers, it's got a beak, and then they boil it, and that's the dish. That's the dish. So you bite into it, you get a little beak, you get a little baby bird. It's not good. It's not good. Now, when you're in the Philippines, you got to try it. I mean, I'm like, I'll try anything. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be the guy who didn't try it. Tried it. Threw up. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't good. I, no disrespect to the, to the Filipino culture. It was, it was really cool. Really gross, though. Really gross. The, I was trying to think, what's the nastiest thing? That was, came to my mind so quickly. Down here. Now, as nasty as that baloo was, a mid-rare tomahawk ribeye. Seared Pittsburgh style. Y'all know Pittsburgh style? They get that black crust on the outside. Ooh, that pink center. Cool center. A little salt. You don't need much, just a little salt. As nasty as that balut is, that steak. As low, listen, as low and unworthy as we are, so, so much more he is. So, so, and that's the gospel. That is the gospel. That is what we have to hear. Romans eleven thirty three through 36 says this. I'm going to read it to you. You don't have to look for it. Paul at this point, he's writing. He, 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 he's, he's talking about the gospel. He's giving theology. This is Romans, a theological book. Paul is just dumping out truth and truth and truth. And all of a sudden, his writing style switches. Paul's a very, uh, he's a very logical writer. He doesn't mess around. He's not very poetic. He's not very musical. All of a sudden, he writes this. Now think of the musical, the poetic style behind these words. And it says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Do you think the eternal, immortal, invisible, wise God knows better than you? Do you, do you comprehend that? Do you trust in that? Not just today, but every day. 
The reality is this, the reason we were created was to bring glory to God. The reason he gave us Jesus, so that once again we could bring glory to God. Ch- chapter, uh, um, one of these verses in Hebrews number 14 says, it talks about how we were, how Christ Jesus sent himself to save sinners, but the reason he saved sinners was so that we could bring glory to God. What is the purpose of the gospel? To bring glory to God. What is the purpose of church? There's lots of good things, right? Fellowship, community, uh, cookout, men's prayer breakfast, sportsman's supper, kids camp. All these good things, right? The purpose of the church, the purpose of the church, the purpose of this church, to bring glory to God. The purpose of special music. I love special music. I love that song this morning. It's not for my enjoyment. To bring glory to God. The purpose of connection team. I love being, I love being told hello with a smile. To bring glory to God. The purpose of healing. To bring glory to God. The purpose of trial. The purpose of failure. The purpose of the storm. To bring glory to God. And if everything was made to bring glory to God, stop making it about you. Stop making it about me. Because it's not about us. This isn't about us. This isn't about us. That's not about us. None of it is about us. It's all about him. And we say that and we may sing that, behold our God. But do we like it? Do we believe it? Do we live it every single day? Because sometimes I doubt it in myself and sometimes I doubt it in you. Stop making it about you. Stop posturing to make yourself look good. Stop fighting to get your way. Stop thinking that God owes you anything because God owes you nothing and yet he's given you everything and yet you still live every day as if he owes you more and more and all that is is the pride of your heart and the pride of mine. We are unworthy and yet he gives us breath. We are, we are low. He gives us life. We are full of sin, and yet he gives us salvation, and yet we wake up every day telling people, telling ourselves, telling our spouses, telling our family of what should happen for us today, and it's not about you. Church isn't about you. Your life isn't about you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attacking. I'm reading the Bible. I'm not doing this to beat you up. I'm doing this to save you because this is the gospel. It's all about him. It's all about him. Sometimes I, 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 I love kids' camp. I love kids' camp. There's, you, know that, you know that stage of life where every kid just wants to know why, why, why. They just ask, like, very silly questions. Almost as stupid, not stupid, silly questions. Um, that's, that was basically kids' camp, just asking silly questions. And sometimes it's funny when a little kid asks you, like, a, you know, every now and then they'll ask you, like, a question that's, like, a pretty good question. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, hey, don't worry about that yet. <laughs> Chill. It's kind of funny. To question. It's kind of funny when like a little baby, a two, three-year-old, they start questioning. You say, hey, it's time to go to bed. And they say, why? It's kind of like, <laughs> go to bed. It's funny. It's funny when a little kid questions someone who knows a lot more. But listen, it's sinful when we question a God who knows a lot more. Sinful. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's not ha, ha, ha. It's sinful. Yeah, how often do we do it? How often when life comes in, when real life happens, do we, our first instinct is to question God. Our first, you know what the gospel says? But a year down here, he's up here, and the only reason you even get to know him is because Jesus is right here. And we need that reminder. We need the gospel to tell us who we are. We need the gospel to tell us who he is. Thirdly, lastly, 
We need the gospel to wage war. Verse number 18. He gives Timothy the gospel. Then he says this charge. He's, he's trying to fire up Timothy. He's trying to encourage. He's trying to say, man, it's time to go. He says, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies went before on thee, that thou by them, by the gospel, mightest war a good warfare. Holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, hath made shipwreck of their faith. Paul gives Timothy his charge. He says, you have the gospel for the sake, not of just salvation, but for everyday strength. And why do we need everyday strength? Why did he say you need to be strength? For what? To what purpose? What's the point? What's the point? What's the point? What's the, what's the point? What, what, what's the point? To wage war. Now, do you get to decide to wage war or not? No. Life is war. Here, here, here's the truth. You're at war. Now, whether you allow the gospel to strengthen your warfare is up to you. But whether you're at war or not is not. Because life is war. As believers, war. As churchgoers, war. As gospel spreaders, war. The devil, the world, our flesh is out to get us. We are at war, and I'm begging you to allow the gospel to be the fuel that flames the fire of war. Because it's here. It's happening. You are at war. And what does he say? He says, you're at war for, for he says, go to war, do these two things. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Use the gospel to keep the faith. The gospel humbles you, you come on up, Matt, and exalts God. The gospel gives you a glimpse into the beauty of God. When you, when you every single day, you know why sometimes your worship is dry? You know why sometimes when you sing a song, it doesn't feel like it? You know, sometimes when you serve, it do, when you're serving in a ministry or serving others, it doesn't give you that, 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 I don't know, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit gives us when we give of ourselves. You know why? I think it's because oftentimes we forget how worthy of God, that God is. But see, what the gospel says is the gospel, the gospel says that God is up here, we are down here, and when we view God from down here and we look that high up, you know what we're going to do? Worship. We can't help but worship. When you see God, even a tiny bit as who God is, you cannot help but worship Him. You can't help it. That's how big He is. That's how good He is. That's how great He is. That's how awe-inspiring. That's what worship is to, to all. That's how awe-inspiring God is. But you must remind yourself that you're down here and he's up here. And thank God through Jesus Christ, we get to see him. That's why we need the gospel, to keep the faith. He also says to, to keep a good conscience. All throughout the scripture, it talks about purifying our conscience, keeping our heart pure. The, the way we do that is by reading the Word of God, allowing that to filter through us every single day. Allow the Word of God to be the only thing informing your conscience. Not your feelings, not your personality, not your past, not your history, not your gossip, not your pride, but the Word of God. Allow that to be the fuel that flames the fire of your conscience. And remind yourself every day that you need the gospel. If you're not saved, you really need the gospel today. If you're saved, you really need the gospel today. Today. 
On your way home today, think of the gospel. God here, you here, Jesus Christ covering it all. You need the gospel to tell you who you are, who he is, because we're at war. And we need that strengthening. We need that reminder. Or else, what's the point? What's the point if we fail? Well, to get back up, but if you don't have the gospel, it's very hard to get back up. Because the gospel says, the only way back up, Jesus Christ. You need the gospel. Let's stand. Matt's going to play. Bow your head. If you've got business to do with God, if you, need to, if you need to trust Christ, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel. Maybe you've lived your whole life and you've never heard the good news of the gospel that you could have access to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's do it today. Why wait? Maybe you've allowed the pride of life to infect your view of God. Why not make an altar and say, God, I'm sorry. How little do we actually confess our failures before God? We assume he, we, we, we know he knows, and so we allow our heart to be distant and cold because we refuse to confess. You know all that is? Pride. Pride. Don't let pride win. Let the gospel win, because it's gonna. It's gonna. Matt, you sing.